Hey, beautiful creatures. It's Jenny Zagrino from Gaudy Positive. Kat is currently doing a little bit of self-care. So I'm here posting our newest episode with the very funny, very hilarious Mike Kaplan. He is a successful, amazing comedian, tours everywhere, and honestly, one of the most positive people I know. And I think we can all use a dose of positivity in our lives right now, especially if we're living our most gaudy lives. Now, this one is going to be a two-parter. So this first part, pretty insightful, pretty interesting. You're going to love it. The second part will come when it comes because that's life and people are busy. And, you know, c'est la vie, whatever, who cares? Uh, Very excited for you to hear this. You're going to love it. Thank you, my little, beautiful, gaudy, positive babes, babettes, uh, boobs, and boys, whatever you are. Enjoy this episode. Hey! Um, so excited for our guest today. Um, yeah. This, this guy is number one, hilarious. Uh, number two, a dear friend. Number three, uh, hilarious and very funny and wonderful. <laughs> so much. Uh, give it up for Mike Kaplan. Hey, it's me. Yes. Uh, pretend there's Thank applause because I oh. said give it up. Uh, oh yeah everyone i assume everyone listening in their home or at the gym or walking outside or in their car is applauding so i appreciate it (laughs) that's i mean it's true our our audience is big big clappers over at gaudy positive (laughs) (laughs) well mike Uh, i have a a thought that i want to throw out into the universe right now okay um, Mike, I'm so thrilled that you're here today. Uh, I, this has absolutely nothing to do with anything, but I can't stop thinking about the fact that in the movie Bambi, they're talking the whole time about animals being horny. That's what Twitter paid it is. Oh, that is they, true. Yeah. Really? Yeah. They're just talking about them being horny. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that. And mm-hmm. I'm glad that you've shared that. And uh, <laughs> and I don't know why you think it's not relevant. Um, <laughs> I'm Twitter-pated to be here. Yay! Thank you. We are also Twitter-pated. I Twitter-pated <laughs> just before the show started, honestly. <laughs> were you manifesting when you were doing it, though? I was, I was t- Twitter-festing. <laughs> do, do you know about sex magic, Mike? Uh, yes, I had a woman uh, named Ashley Ray, I believe, on my podcast, and she shared with me uh, about the various powers of sex magic. Have you ever tried it? Uh, I would say that I, I don't, I think my life is sex magical enough. <laughs> so no, I, I haven't explicitly, I guess, uh explicit is the way that you would do it so no i have i have not uh i feel like the only magic that i do uh is just whatever is flowing naturally uh through me as the conduit of the universe that i am uh but you know i mean also i will say this uh i have a friend named dylan brody who is a comedian a writer a storyteller 
And I should get the exact quote, but one time he said to me in an email, the idea that uh, I really loved that jokes are like spells because in order to get them to have the desired effect in the external world outside of ourselves, we need to say like the incantation in the exact, you know, the words have to be in the right order with the right tone, with the right, you know, pronunciation or else uh, the spell doesn't work. That oh. is really cool and very deep to think about. Cause yeah. Then you also like, you have to have, uh, like the right conditions for the spell yeah. to work as well. And then you need to have, um, I guess more, maybe not spell wise, but like almost like a, a, a sacrifice of some kind. Like you have, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like everyone is there to watch the sacrifice. Oh yeah. Of, of the self. It, of but the yeah, self. it's like, you're like a, you know, a cook as well. You're like a, creating a magical recipe for laughter, you know, just like, eye of audience and uh you know tail of uh of woe and yeah. uh <laughs> repeat so, yeah. and twist and then yeah. a little bit of lime and boom you have a punchline i i do think that you know i have some friends who are uh you know stage magicians as well as comedians i know a lot of comedians i know a few magicians and I do feel like, I, mean, I know that the work that goes into being a stage magician, like I know how to do some card tricks that seem like if you don't know how to do them, it's impressive. And I know people who are able to do things. I've seen magic shows that I'm like, I have no idea how that's done, but I do know that it's physically possible to do it because it is happening. And I, I truly believe my, some of my magician friends are like, I'm not a practicing wizard. I am just a person who's, you know, <laughs> learned how to do things uh, dexterously with my hands uh, to be able to, you know, sleight of hand is a real thing and uh, misdirection and psychology and all these things. And so I truly do feel like uh, while doing stage magic is not itself, I'm sure wizards could do it. I'm sure uh, like real magic, could, there could be real magic infused with it, but it's not necessary. It's not required other than like, you know, just the scientific basis of the universe, depending on how you define magic and such. But comedy, I feel like we, I do comedy. I've been doing comedy for 20 years. I've been a student of it. I've been watching it. I've been learning it. I've been reading about it. And I still don't know. Ex I know how to do it. And I also don't know how it works. So I feel like comedy truly is more magical to me than magic itself. Mm. You know what? I 100% I agree with that because uh, we're able to get the same, I would say, better reactions than magicians. <laughs> Right, like we get we get a full vibe, a full heart, like at like, like also too, a magician can do a trick, and you can be like, that guy's trying to fool me, and then <laughs> he gets murdered and like burned at the stake. But as with, <laughs> as comedians, we do our spells, and you laugh, and you can't hate us. Oh yeah, I'm, I mean, I you know, brief mm -hmm. counterpoint. Sometimes people do hate us. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Joe Rogan. Ha, ha, ha. Hates us. He, he hates us. <laughs> yeah. He, he hates you. <laughs> I also, think... Yes. But people also really hate Joe Rogan. I, I mean, mean, I will say Joe Rogan probably does hate us. Um, if, I mean, you like... talk a lot about Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of 
feels about uh, old JR. I used to be friends with his booker and uh, he unfriended me on Facebook. So I guess we're not friends anymore. That's how oh, you know. No. That's how you find out these days. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, um, it's good to know because in the past, if somebody wasn't your friend, you wouldn't have any indication other than you never talked to them. That's, that's true. true. That's true. I think I was too, like, um, a lot of the things that you're, I, I think we're supposed to be for him. Like, I think I maybe like, cared about women's rights or like you know a lot of other things that you're not supposed to care about um are you not supposed to care about those things i mean i think you're not supposed to care about those Mm. things if you're in the the world of joe rogan (laughs) (laughs) um but i you know i like what you said i love this comparison though of magic and and comedy i think there is i i have obviously been blessed to be in the presence of Jenny and lots of other comedians and um I've had people ask me if that's something I would ever want to do like just for fun and I'm like why that doesn't (laughs) it doesn't it doesn't sound fun to me at all it's (laughs) I watch you know I I've seen uh you all do your thing and it's like it's impressive and it's really incredible and I love it I love being in the room when you can really feel the energy from the audience, but uh, I'd rather be in the audience. I enjoy being the person laughing um, mm. over being the person who's got the pressure to make everybody laugh. I mean, it seems really hard. It seems <laughs> really hard. Um, and also well, it seems like you have to really know your, like you really have to know your audience wherever you go too, mm. which seems like that would be hard. Are you, are you a touring comedian? I am a touring comedian and so, here's, here, yeah. if, I, if I can offer you uh, uh, one tip, if you ever, you don't have to do comedy. I'm not here to talk you into doing comedy. I'd rather you remain in the audience. I need people to <laughs> laugh. If everyone was doing comedy and not laughing, though you can also, uh, it's like intersectional. You can be a creator of laughs from the audience and laughers yourselves. In fact, sometimes after a show, somebody will come up to me and say, thank you for the laughs. And I'll say to them, thank you you for the laughs. I'm like, whose laughs are they? Where are the laughs coming from? Is it coming from me? Did I give that? But it came from inside you. But this is all to say, first, I will say uh, that, so the tip, if you want to do comedy, like you are, you know, it's you're laughing and you're making your, while you were just talking, you made yourself laugh. And that's where comedy starts from, is you saying things that you believe in. You're just saying the truth right now. You're not trying to be funny. You're not trying to tell a joke. And, but if you're in a conversation with a friend and you have, if you've ever, if you've, I'm, I don't want to assume anything. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I bet that you have said things that have made people, you know, laugh. And I know that's, this is just, you know, very baby steps towards uh, where comedy is. Eventually you're making people you don't know laugh, but starting from making yourself laugh and making people who like you already, people who care about you, people who are your friends laugh. Like that is where you discover like who you are, uh, as a as a funny person, as a comedian, and then you hopefully, if you want to, aim to translate that to be like, oh, if I can make these people laugh, if I can make somebody laugh, maybe I can make a, a couple other somebody's laugh. And this is all to say to your second point, I don't specific, not that I don't think about the audience, but that's not where I start. I don't write jokes thinking about who's going to hear them. I write jokes thinking about what I want to say, how I want to say it, and like what's important to me, what's meaningful to me, what's funny to me. And then I say it to people and I hope to find people that agree. Mm. So even when you're doing a tour, so I just think about like 
all of the comedy clubs in towns most people have never heard of, you know, where in whatever random state. And so even when you're performing in a place like, I don't know, some made up Peoria, town. Illinois. Ah, Peoria, yes. Illinois. Yeah. Uh, how do you, you don't, you're not making adaptations at all in that way to show up for that, what you, who you think that audience is or, uh, or. I, so in the middle of that sentence, uh, my answer to the sentence changed. Mm. Uh, so if, if I can say like, it's not that I never change what I do. Like there's, there's different ways. <laughs> this will be a weird analogy perhaps, <laughs> but, uh, you know how, like some people are saying, uh, abolish the police and other people are saying reform the police or the system right and some people forgetting the people who are like leave it the same it's fine as it is like like <laughs> right something needs to change but the quest i think it's it's a reasonable question to say like okay well what does about if if the police all of a sudden were abolished then what what would arise at what do you want what do you positively want there like what what is going to exist uh as a and so it makes sense that there are people aiming to do like incremental changes like while the system exists how can the system be made you know more humane more fair like less racially biased that sort of thing like while also so there's like this macro level of like there needs to the way it is now has to be like a whole order of different but the way we get to a whole order of different often is step-by-step -step incremental and so I feel like the question that you're asking uh, now mm -hmm. to get back to a perhaps, you know, certainly a different scope, a different, uh, <laughs> a different category of thing. Um, like on, a, on the personal level, on the creative artistic level, like my, my comedy is always like changing incrementally, you know, like I'm always writing new jokes. I'm always trying them out. I'm always, you know, growing and changing and learning as a human being and as a comedian. So like the act that I'm doing now is in some ways very different than the act that I was doing 10 years ago, 20 years ago, not because I set out to be like, I need to be a completely different person than this 20 something, you know, but just because of the natural growth that occurs. And so I think the question is sort of like, do you change what you do, you know, based on where you are, for example, I'm like, I don't change it like whole cloth, you know what I mean? I, mm -hmm. but I, I do like if I arrive in a town and I walk around the town and I'm like, oh, like, here's a fun thought I have about this town. Sure, I might say that on the stage that night, not because I'm trying to make that audience have a specific reaction, be like, oh, I'll really get Seattle by telling them about this Seattle <laughs> thing I just thought, but because it's <laughs> you know, in, from in, inside myself, an honest experience that I had. So it may be, and perhaps it might appear from the outside, like, oh, like I do uh, some shows where I'm, I do a lot of riffing and being in the moment and being present with the experience of that crowd, of that room, of that night. You know, it could be, there could be riffing, there could be experimenting, there could be improvisation in addition to, or sometimes in a different proportion to, like the prepared jokes that I have. And, and also, I mean, to maybe answer a question that you didn't specifically ask, but sometimes depending on the demographic of the audience, like if I'm performing somewhere, uh, you know, like Jenny and I were doing comedy in Boston, like I might've written a lot of jokes in Boston about Boston that I wouldn't do in the same way in another town, just because I know that the people there might not have the same 
references if I had a joke about a commercial that only plays in Boston. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe there'd be a way to do it. Maybe there'd be a way to be like, this commercial is so funny in this specific way, but you need this as a prerequisite audience to know yeah. that this is a commercial. Do you have any weird furniture commercials? Do you have an equivalent of are Bernie wait, and Phil? You know? Wait, are you thinking <laughs> of the I doubt it guy? Uh I I doubt it. I was <laughs> truly thinking of uh Bernie and Phil, number one. Bernie and Phil uh, are great. There was, and, however, this one guy who just please. goes, can you find a better deal? I doubt it. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> Here's the thing is I didn't grow up. I, I spent my childhood in New Jersey and then got to Boston in college and did my best to avoid watching commercials. So I didn't get the full <laughs> scope of all the advertising that was being. But but you saying that, of course, reminds me, yes, I know it. I don't doubt it. A hundred percent. I think that joke should be universal. You can do it anywhere. But uh, but, you know, there's different ways to do like here's another specific example is when I started out, I wrote a joke about the movie Final Destination, a movie that was like maybe a lot of people have heard of because there were like five Great of film. them. And I think they're making a new one. I really enjoyed it. And I wrote a joke about it. But to enjoy the joke, I knew that the audience had to know certain facts about the movie. And I knew that most people probably hadn't seen the movie, didn't know. So I built into the joke uh, the the information I shared a a very basic brief plot summary that would allow even people who might not have been, you know, I can now do that joke anywhere, even in front of audiences who I would assume had, and I do my best to not assume. I'm like, that's why I just start from, I don't know what anyone else is thinking or feeling unless they tell me, unless I ask them, but I do know what I'm thinking and feeling. So, so yes, I do. I would say I don't change my act based on what I think other people are looking for or will like, but I do change my act based on, you know, the changing, ever-changing flow of my own conscious experience. Yeah. Well, Ooh, I just feel like I got like a little masterclass. Like you a little, did. Hmm, oh yeah, you're a comedian now, yeah. That's it, I'm it, Welcome. that's it. Do I get a certificate? <laughs> what is it? Oh yeah, uh, I mean, you have as much of a certificate to do comedy as Jenny and I have. <laughs> uh oh. Jenny's like, no, don't do that. Don't no, we, that. we are. Well, it's so funny is, uh, Mike, when you were like, don't be a comedian, I was like, yes, don't. <laughs> like, we need yeah. more people in the audience who are like, I love comedy. Never want to do it. We don't yeah. need oh, oh, more yeah. being like, I love comedy. I will do it. We have enough. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I would much rather, like the same thing with like parenting. If somebody's like, I think I could do it. I'd be like, maybe you shouldn't do it. But <laughs> if somebody's like, uh, I think it's actually a big responsibility and there are so many unknowns and I don't even know if I'm equipped to take care of myself. I'm like, you should be having a child, if anybody. <laughs> I mean, that, maybe that is what comedy feels like, is that I just kind of like stumbled into it and was like, it was an accident. Oh, no. Now I'm a comedian. Yeah. Whoops. Yeah, that's that's in a way almost how it happened for me as well, because I was striving to be a musician, a singer songwriter. Uh, mm -hmm. which I am, I, I succeeded. Uh, I, if, you, <laughs> if you sing a song and you write a song, then you're a singer-songwriter. You did and now, it. now I'm That's a joker-joke writer as well. <laughs> um, but so I, when I was starting out, uh, I was in college in Boston or in the, in the area, and I was looking for places to perform my music. And I had some songs that were funny, so I, that's why I called Rick Jenkins at the comedy studio. And I was like, I truly didn't know what stand-up comedy was. I, I knew that like famous people did it. I knew that Seinfeld did it, you know? I mm -hmm. knew that uh, Paul Reiser did it. I knew that Saturday Night Live, some of their, the people on there, like Dana Carvey and Norm MacDonald, those were like the specials that I'd seen. 
but I didn't know that there were any non-famous comedians. But so, but I looked up clubs to perform at for my music, and I called, and I'm like, "So you're a comedy club? My songs are funny. I come there and do them." And Rick was like, "Sure, you can have five minutes," you know. And uh, and I went, and then in but I did two like just really short songs, and I riffed a little bit. I I didn't even call it riffing. I was just like, truly the first time on stage. Uh, I went on right after Jonathan Katz, who at the time, oh my god, you know, <laughs> was a famous person who had a television program on Comedy Central that wow. I had heard of, and so he went on right before me, the most famous wow. person in the room, and he <laughs> concluded his set with a song, the very oh. thing I was gonna do, and so I went up there in the moment and said the thing that I was really feeling, which was like. Uh, I don't know if I'm, you know, I don't remember the exact words, but I expressed my anxiety that I was about to do for the first time a thing that the, uh, technically speaking, most certified best at comedy person in the room was doing, had just done. And so I'm like, what, what is my, and people, it was endearing. People <laughs> laughed at the thing that I didn't even plan to be funny. And that is what May, you know, having that experience and then talking a little bit in between the songs and having people respond as like, like what I was saying was funny, even though I wasn't trying specifically to be at that point. I was like, oh, like, here's one, I'm almost done with this story. And just a brief analogy. Uh, when I studied linguistics, uh, which is the study of languages, sometimes mm -hmm. people hear that and they're like, oh, please don't correct my grammar. Uh, but, but that's like, they think that that's why people, you know how, like, if you meet somebody who's like, I also studied psychology and people are like, oh, don't psychoanalyze me. I'm like, well, that's not what, you know, psych majors are going around doing. I mean, it's what we're all, that's we're what all I would potentially do. We're going all around doing. Yes. I do it a hundred percent. I yeah. don't even have a psych thing and I've, yeah. I've already evaluated everyone it, today. Exactly. And you don't like, need a linguistics degree to, uh, pick apart someone's grammar, grammar or be unhappy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the the different the thing that I learned in linguistics is that there's uh, prescriptive grammar, which is yes. you should talk like this, and descriptive, which is yes. that's linguistics is about describing how people actually do talk. So back to I just to, got Twitter pated because ah, I one <laughs> linguistics class in college, and it was the most one of the most painful classes I've ever taken. But mm. that specific thing stuck with me, and it's helped me win so many arguments. <laughs> that's what it's for and uh and so i that that is how i started doing comedy i didn't prescribe that i should do comedy i found myself on stage at a comedy club not even trying to do comedy but uh i de i discovered i it ended up being the, descriptively that is what i was doing so when people ask me i say this as a joke sometimes now usually on podcasts while telling the story uh <laughs> when people say when did you know that you wanted to do comedy? I will say, I think I knew a little bit after I started doing comedy. <laughs> I think that's fair. I, um, that's similar for me with styling. Uh, I, the first time that I, I love what you're saying because you actually made me think of the first person I ever styled. Uh, I was in college, technically is my second, but we'll just, it's better if I say he's my first. I, um, I love it. That's good. Yeah. That's good comedy right there. Yeah. So we're just going <laughs> to lie a little bit. And anyway, he, he, I was in school for writing. Um, and he said something to me along the lines of, Oh, you're, so you're in school for writing. You're a writer. And I said, well, I'm not a writer yet. I hope to be one day. And he's like, well, are you writing? Are you writing in your classes? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, well, then you're a writer. And that always stuck with me so that then later on, um, 
he became a launching pad to my getting into uh, celebrity styling. His ah. wife, who I helped him impress by helping him get a better wardrobe and a better look. Nice. Um, that's right. He got the girl and then her best friend got uh, part on Sons of Anarchy and needed to go on the red carpet. They were a similar build and it was like, yeah, I can totally take you shopping, put a look together for you. And, um, you know, but I, I remember having that moment with um, my first client where, who's really my second, uh, <laughs> where I was like, you know, stumbling over calling myself a stylist. And I just remembered that conversation. And I was like, I guess I, I guess I could just, I guess I could just say it. I could just start calling myself a stylist. Uh, and, it, you know, oh, it worked. If, if I may, uh, I have something to offer you that I think it, it, it sound it seems like it's going to be, I, I'm going to have fun saying it. And I hope you have fun hearing it again. I'm thinking <laughs> about my own experience. I'm thinking about you, the audience a little bit, but also we're not an audience. We're having a conversation. This is a, a meeting of the minds of equals. Um, here's here's the thing you you styled somebody before the person that is the main character of this story that you're calling the first person that you ever styled mm -hmm. and here's the thing the great reason a reason why it's great that it actually is the second person and not the first person is because the first person you ever styled you weren't even a stylist you had never styled anybody but the second person you had styled so you can go into your second styling like when a comedian gets introduced the very first time they ever go on stage, they can be like, your first comedian be like, oh, I'm actually not a comedian until I get up there. I haven't, I haven't ever done it. I've never done it at all. But <laughs> the second time you get up, be like, I'm a comedian. I've done comedy. I've been on stage as a comedian. So it's even more valuable that you told the story the way that you did, because you're mm -hmm. like, you were definitely a stylist when you styled the first, I mean, actually second person that you ever styled by virtue of the fact that the first person you styled was the first person that you styled. <laughs> Oh, wow. I love that we just went there. Woo! Yeah. yeah. Hurt. Um, I, I want to piggyback off of all Please. this, which sounds like an email I just wrote, but ha. just hear me out. <laughs> just circling back, touching I'm base. Circling you know? back. I just want to touch base with what we spoke about. If I, if I may, would I be so bold? Um, I like, so one thing I really love about you, Mike, is like your positivity and you are just like this kind of like beacon of like positive, like positive thoughts. You, you know, send out positive emails and positive texts. I happen to be on the receiving end and they are wonderful. And I'm kind of wondering like, where did that, where did that like come from? And I think I kind of know where it started, but I kind of wanted you to go in like into, um, basically uh talking about ayahuasca and then we can talk about if you want mm. the trip that we went on together uh yes i would i would love to so i'm glad that you said that because until you said ayahuasca when you're like i think i know where it started i was like oh i'd love to know where you think it started because i have no idea where it started but uh <laughs> because every you know every moment is sort of like a new start as well uh and you can you know look back to the moment before and be like oh yeah that's how we got here but uh yeah certainly uh, I guess I, it, I'll go back a few steps before, um, in, I was raised like in a, like, don't do drugs household. And I was like, that makes sense to me, you know? And I remember in college, like I tried alcohol and I didn't like it. Uh, and I was like, yeah, no, not for me. And then I drank when I was in, com like when I started out doing comedy because Rick Jenkins of the comedy studio bought everybody drinks after the show. And it was kind yep. of like our pay at the time. And I'm like, well, I don't want to not get paid. And 
Uh, now I don't really drink alcohol uh, because I don't feel like it really serves me. Uh, when they People serve alcohol, but alcohol does not serve me the people. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but I do, uh, so I didn't, I, when I was in college, I didn't smoke pot. Uh, but I had friends who did and I'm like, cool, people seem to really enjoy it. And they'd be like, do you want some? And I was like, mm, no, like I felt like my, I honestly felt like my brain was, I'm like, I'm all set, you know, like my, my yeah. brain does things that I want it to do. I don't need to quote unquote alter it. Knowing that like a, every, everything, life is a mind altering substance. Your mind is altering all of the time. Oh, Food yeah. alters it. Drinking alters it. Sleep or sleeplessness, hunger, like every every experience being alive your mind is altering i do of course understand why calling a substance mind altering uh speaks to a different like order or level of order of of uh altering but i was like yeah i'm good for now uh until i i dated someone who uh who was like i feel she was uh it was a person that i eventually married and then divorced but while we were on on the way up uh, she was like a musician and a comedian, and she was like, felt creatively motivated, felt creatively inspired by pot, for example. And she wanted to share the experience that she enjoyed having with me. And so I did, I agreed to do it. I tried it. It wasn't my favorite thing. Then we were at a music festival performing on Block Island off of the coast of Rhode Island. Nice. And after after our show, somebody bought one of my albums and paid me with a ten dollar bill wrapped around uh, a mushroom stem, a psychedelic mushroom <laughs> stem, and I had I'd only heard of them, uh, I'd never wow. experienced them, but I was like, oh, I'd done sort of like you know enough research to be like, I think this is my understanding is different than pot, and might be the kind of thing that I like. I was open to it. I was like, I heard good things. I'd heard about you know enlightenment, mysticism, you know, spiritual experiences that I'd never truly, you know, I, I hadn't had an experience up to that point that I would have called that. I probably, I feel like making music, making art, making comedy, those are mystical, like we said, magical, spiritual, like potentially yeah. enlightenment, uh, yeah, adjacent experiences. But at the time, I didn't have that sort of language and concept for it. So also just to go back a little bit, I, I've been playing music since I was four. My parents were both music teachers. And now I do feel like music is the most, you know, it's one of the most important things like in the world, like everything is, you know, vibrations, you know, like our bodies themselves are, we feel like we're a solid thing, but we're atoms spinning around real fast, you know, like things like just pieces of, of whatever universe stuff it is just like vibrating rotating like it's all in some ways musical and magical it, when i was a kid i also sometimes confused the words musician and magician because they sounded so similar and also now i'm like <laughs> oh fine they're the same but my parents this this is all to say as a little backstory were very supportive of me like so i feel like the positivity that you speak of jenny i think started i mean in my experience, in my conscious experience in this incarnation of life, like started with my my mom, my dad, I was an only child, I was an only grandchild, my grandmothers, my grandfather, like I was just, I feel like, you know, being raised secularly Jewish, every child is kind of like 
uh, a local messiah, you know, like can <laughs> do no wrong, you know, like can be anything, can do anything, which is actually, I, I never realized sort of the parallel between this, what I'm saying now, and like getting into comedy specifically and not and thinking about my own experience more than the audience. Like in my home, I was like taught, I was shown that my view, I was the important one. Like, <laughs> like I was told like, you could grow up to be president. Meanwhile, if you look at uh, the history of the United States of America, descriptively, there've been no, no Jews, Jews yeah. as president, but, but every <laughs> Jewish child, so many Jewish children, I don't wanna speak for everyone. So many are told like, you could accomplish anything that you put your mind to include i'm like well is, is there a limit to what we can put our mind to but um i wonder if that's just size stuff that's like an american like americanized jewish thing because as a russian sure. jewish mother never told that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. yes not once and that's yeah really jews funny. yeah jews are not a monolith uh yeah. for sure yeah. and a lot of like if you want something done you have to do it yourself don't trust Ooh. anybody Ha, I, I, I love that. And also, here's my an another ingredient of your experience, perhaps, is that uh, I'm a I'm a boy and you're a girl. That and is we're awesome. socialized <laughs> in different ways. We're like, ah, the young Jewish boys, they could grow up to be anything. The young yeah. Jewish girls, they got to do things themselves if they want to get anything done. <laughs> uh, Russian accent, thinking. notwithstanding. Yeah. Uh, um, true. So, so yeah, so I feel like that supportive environment uh, was like a great, you know, setting for me to, I mean, it, and it's not like it, when I got to high school, when I got to comedy, it's not like everybody else was mirroring back to me, you know, the same love and, uh, and appreciation and encouragement that my family was, but there was like enough stored up that I could be like audiences, every, hey, every audience for several years, I think you're wrong. I think my family is correct, not you. And then, <laughs> you know, you get in the reps and you eventually, you know, learn how to do the magic spells, learn how to write them, learn how to create them, which is kind of like, I realized sort of a interlude uh, briefly, scientific as well. Like, you know, you, mm -hmm. you figure things out. You're like, oh, these are the ingredients. These are the words. These are the, this is the environment. This is the, the set and the setting, the thing from inside, the thing from outside. Like that's how you do a scientific experiment as well is be like, how can we make the conditions in this room, in this world, in this beaker, like to get to, to replicate the experience like that's what you know if comedy is trying to do the same spells night after night like that's what science is trying to replicate the same experiments and so there's kind of a similarity there this is all to say uh my family loved me and supported me and they were like you're fine on your own you don't need drugs i'm like yeah i don't need drugs this day never smoked a tobacco <laughs> cigarette but then uh as an adult finally you know be as we become our own parenting agents as a as a a kind of, you know, like, I, so there I was on Block Island, and we got more mushrooms from the guy who gave me the one, and <laughs> did them. And that was the first time that I had an experience of, you know, of being connect of be being aware that I was connected to the kind of flow that, you know, we were talking about earlier, yeah. and that were perhaps in right now. And um, the mind alteringness in the in the sense of minds being altered. Yes, in the moment. exactly. And, and so then that was when I was around, I'd say 25 ish. And then I, for, I started hearing about ayahuasca a couple of years later. And 
Uh, and one of the things that I, the classic thing people hear, here's a, here's a fun comedy ayahuasca analogy for you, Jenny. Okay. Um, uh, and, and everyone listening as well, not just Jenny, but, uh, <laughs> the, I feel like the thing that people, when they, if you've heard of ayahuasca, but haven't done it, a classic thing that you might have heard about is you're like, oh, is it true that you throw up? Is that, I don't want to, cause that's what I heard. And I was like, oh yeah, no, thanks. I don't like throwing up. I'm not going to do it. And with comedy, one of the questions that you get a lot when you're a comedian, uh, for people who aren't comedians, uh, you might ask these questions like, oh man, what, what do you do when you're heckled? What's the worst heckle? How do you get heckled? I feel like heckling is like the vomiting of comedy. Yeah. It's in that it truly, it, it may happen sometimes, but it's really not as large as a, a, a character in the story as most people imagine that it is from the outside like there's yeah there might be a heckler every once in a while you might have one show a year where there's somebody who's the worst the whole time but that's rare and there might be some nights where you have a, li a little thing here and there and that can happen once in a while but most of comedy is not heckling most of comedy is not dealing with heckling and most of ayahuasca is not vomiting but at the time in my late 20s i was like no thank you i don't want to be heckled <laughs> from the insides with vomit and so I, d I just left it there but then uh it was actually do you know jason marcus uh yes. jenny so yes. jason was the first person who put me in touch with uh who and actually uh, i realized i'm like oh I, is it okay that i'm saying his name it is because he i talk about my experience and his experience with ayahuasca in my the newest hour that I'm working on. Uh, and he gave me permission to do that. And so it'd be weird if he was like, but don't talk about it on podcast. Um, <laughs> but he was a person body positive, actually. This is the oh. one that he's really like, don't yeah. talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. So so he when I was around 33, 34, so this is almost 10 years ago now. I oh, man, I don't actually remember. It was either maybe it was 2014. So it could have been eight years ago. I was in my mid early mid thirties and Jason told me he had an experience with ayahuasca that was, you know, transcendent in the ways he basically the way that he put it that, or at least that I've encapsulated it is that he went into it an angry person and he came out a loving person. Mm. And, oh, wow. And, and he, you know, and he shared with me some of the, you know, the, the things that he saw and felt and experienced that, uh, that brought him to that place. Uh, and it, it doesn't mean that he's never angry now, uh, but that there was a shift, you know, a consciousness altering in, in at least that time that, you know, he can remember and that then I had experiences that were, uh, you know, quote unquote similar, but because I'm mm -hmm. a different person that came from a different place, like everyone's experiences with, with anything, with creating comedy, with creating art, with going to therapy, with doing a psychedelic, like there might be some commonalities, some resonances, some similarities, but, uh, you know, everyone's experience is uniquely their own in a way as well. And that was, uh, as you asked, Jenny, I feel like a, a time when I did start thinking about and talking about, uh, I feel like more, more on stage, and then also more in my life, uh, like the the concepts of like I mean of let's say love to start with and like being love and yeah. doing love sure. and and sharing it and expressing it in that like the album that I put out uh, in Mar May of 2020 is called AKA and it is it was sort of it grew from seeds that were planted in my in some ayahuasca experiences where I was like I kind of want to do an hour of comedy about 
love and forgiveness and compassion and not murdering. And so that's what that great, hour great ended up. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I mean, mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people might be on board with uh, some of those things, at least. <laughs> but uh, but uh, again, I don't care what other but you can you could not you could be for murdering and you could still like my comedy. But uh, I wish you wouldn't. Um, <laughs> and and so, yeah, I remember going to these, you know, finding this another like, you know, like the mushrooms, but on like a larger, like uh, more communal scale as well that like ayahuasca ceremonies became like the the most spiritual, the most religious seeming of like in the best way like there was a community there were these you know uh life altering like experience altering like emotional spiritual physiological uh, experiences happening like with people that i cared about new friends that i met old friends that like yourself that eventually like would come to join and have experiences as well and so also around that time so that was like you know 2013 2014 yeah around that time maybe maybe a year or two later i started meditating with the app headspace and then insight timer and waking up and various different uh you know like uh working with different you know guided meditations from like i don't know uh tara brock or tiknat han you know and ramdas and mm -hmm. like getting more into mm -hmm. like i I'd, I'd, I'd known comedians like Pete Holmes and I had gone to Montreal together. Duncan Trussell was also in our New Faces class. And yeah. I remember those dudes, I was like, oh man, like I love what they do. And I love like, you know, the the spirituality that they, they're sort of immersed in and that they talk about. But before I did ayahuasca and before I got to the place that I, you know, that I'm still getting to, yeah. but before this particular, you know, mic altering experience. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I was like, I don't think I need to like read a lot about that stuff or I don't have to, that doesn't have to be all that I do. You know, I'm like, it's fine. Like that, great for the people that are doing it. Yeah. But like now, like since then, I like can't get enough of it. Like my girlfriend who I started dating in 2016, Rini, like she introduced me to Pema Chodron and I've read, if not all of her books, almost all of them now. And like, I'm just like, I can't, can't get enough. And, uh, Antique Nat Han, I'm still working my way. He's got so many books and, uh, and so many, like, you know, uh, I'm, I'm listening to him, uh, most mornings now with a thing that was just released with his death the other day. And, mm -hmm. uh, and Ram Dass, I read the book, Be Here Now and listened to some of his podcasts and watched his documentary. And I'm like, oh man, there's like, there's so much everything and like the fact, the idea that I was like, ah, I think, I think I get it. I think, I, yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> right. Be nice, love yourself, compassion. Yeah, I, I gotcha. Um, like I was basically like a character uh, that I would have come to, you know, kind of lovingly, gently, like make fun of later, which is like yeah. a nice thing to do, to, to feel that, you, that I have grown from a place where I was, I was, I didn't know everything and I still don't know everything, but at least now I know some of the things that I didn't know that I didn't know back then and so i think i'm almost to at least the end of the first part of your question uh a thing that i a thing Look, that we're, I, gonna, we're gonna have to have a part two we oh, have, yeah. like, we'll have to have a oh part yeah two. uh so I, in in conclusion yeah. i'll just say uh around that time as well is when i started sending friends uh just like texts telling them that i cared about them which initially i remember a couple friends were like are you dying and i was like i mean <laughs> i get it uh, but it was funny at the time because I'm like, oh no, I'm I'm living. Like, I mean, and also, yeah. yes, it's, they're the same thing. Like, I don't know when, I don't know how long any of us specifically has, but uh, I I just know that when I connect with a friend, when I connect with a loved one, when, like that we have these, you know, 
the the phone and social media and text the technology is a tool that can you know a hammer can be used to build a house or to hurt someone and mm. so i'm like mm -hmm. let me use this technology to uh connect to help to you know feel some sort of yeah. communion and so because it feels and another thing another analogy back to uh the audience and thinking about the audience like i of course think about like a per a friend on the other end receiving what i'm sending but also and some people write back and some people don't some people write back sometimes and some people write back every time some people write back no time but i'm not doing it to get the response back if that makes sense i'm not yeah. doing it to get the laughter from the audience it's nice when the laughter from the audience is there it's nice when a nice email or text or message comes back or a friend calls me or lets me know when they're thinking of me at a time that I didn't even reach out to them. And it's just like, you know, uh, a positive, yeah. it, it becomes a positive feedback loop. And so I'm just, you know, I'm just one, one element, one, one cog in this wheel, you know? Well, it's yeah. interesting because I feel like what you are doing in sending those texts and in being really thoughtful in that way, you're kind of doing the thing that people always say, you know, you always hear that advice that people have on their deathbeds thing. And it's always like, um, you know, tell people that you love them and make sure people know. And it's just so interesting that you actually, you're actually taking that advice. Like you're actually doing the thing yeah. that we so often like we hear about and then people just don't necessarily know how to do it. And, it, and I love that it's as simple as just sending a text. I mean, we do have it's it's actually a lot easier in a lot of ways these days with technology to make those things happen. So yeah, that's really cool. And as as someone on the receiving end of those texts, they are really great, and the emails as well. So thank you, Jenny. So yeah, so positivity is abounding. We'll have to do a part two. I can't believe already forty five minutes passed. Insane. I know. It feels like five wow. minutes. Totally. Let let me know. What do you got to promote, Mike? Oh, thank you. I gotta. Uh, I get to, and I appreciate your asking uh so my stand-up is like the main thing that i do uh my i'm doing some tour dates where they are uh you know safe and healthy as possible and uh so those are on my website everything is mike kaplan m-y-q-k-a-p-l-a-n you know dot com all the social media i also have a bunch of albums that are most places you can find albums uh my most recent one is called aka and uh, i'm very that's the one i was mentioning uh, i'm happy with it i'm proud of it i love it there's a lot about ayahuasca in it and a lot of it is inspired by the kinds of things that we're talking about and uh but i have a bunch of other albums as well that i i'm proud of and uh and then i also do have a mailing list uh a newsletter that i send out once a week for free or more if you subscribe for more uh, at mikekaplan.substack.com i send a few jokes and fun things and let people know where i'm going to be and that sort of thing. So uh, yeah, that's, if you want to find me, you can. Here I am. Thank you. Here he is. Yay. Thank you, Mike. This is great. Oh, thank you. It was so much fun. I really appreciate it. I love you. And I, I love, I love you, everyone who's listening. Uh, I love, it was <laughs> nice to meet you. Uh, and nice to meet all audience uh, who are out there. Hello, everyone. Uh, I love you. Pass it on. <laughs> <laughs> Love you too. All right. And that's end. Gaudy. Positive. Gaudy. Positive. Gaudy. Positive. Gaudy. Positive. Gaudy. Positive. 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 Positive.